in continuing and concluding a study of Revelation 11, we talked about the second woe is past, and now, verse 15, the seventh trumpet. So we're seeing in this cadence the seventh seal being broken, the seventh trumpet being sounded, the seventh bowl of God's wrath being poured out. It's one and then the other and the other, one on top of the other, as I said earlier in a kind of parallelism. Now, verse 15, then the seventh angel sounded, and there were, there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and what you should reward, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of His covenant was seen in His temple, and there were lightnings, thun noises, thunderings, and, great, and earthquake, and great hail. Now, once again, this isn't really new, because in the prophetic reference that preceded it, tying it in to the prophecy of Daniel, particularly Daniel 7, this is what we read before. Here it says, I was watching in the visions at night, Daniel 7.13, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. How interesting is that? He doesn't say the Son of Man, he says one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. The two witnesses were caught up and what did it say? 
the, there was a cloud that received them. Verse, uh, verse Revelation 7, 12, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud. There was, uh, and the enemies saw them. It doesn't say the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, it says one like the Son of Man. Why? Because here on the earth, they are putting on display everything that Jesus did in His time of three and a half years to show the glory of God, to show the character of the Father. He had come to show the Father. These have been measured as the naos of God in the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation, been measured and, and presented as the likeness of Christ and they are adorned with the royal priesthood and they function as kings and priests in the fashion that summarizes the law, in the fashion that summarizes the prophets, they are like Christ. And as He was killed by this beast that came up out of the abyss, so they are killed. But then on the third day, three and a half days later, they are resurrected and called to heaven and Daniel sees it ahead of time in the, prophetic, in the very same prophetic reference that says that the saints will possess the kingdom. Coming with one like the Son of Man, He came near to the Ancient of Days and they brought Him near before Him. Now the Ancient of Days is a depiction of Christ. Let me say, no one has ever seen the Father not in heaven, not on the earth. Is that to say that the Father is not in creation? No, 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 no. No, He's in creation. He's in the earth, He's in heaven, and He's in the eternal. But in every reference, He's clothed in another. How did He live on the earth? when Jesus was also on the earth. He was in Christ. That's what Christ said. You are in Me and I am in you. In heaven, how is He present? He is in Christ. So when you sit with Christ on the Father's throne, you're sitting with God who is in Christ. That's why the only description of God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when, when 
the Father is seated in Christ and we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Christ has taken on the the completeness of the character of the Father in creation. That's what He came to do. That's why, you see, when His disciples said to Him, show us the Father, why didn't He just say, all right, I'm going to part heaven or now stand back and watch while the Father comes now and stands with you? Creation cannot actually contain anything but the representation of the Father. Everything in creation, heaven or earth, the most of the Father that could be contained is a representation. Why? Because He is the deep. In Him we live and move and have our very being in this present world. He holds everything in creation, heaven and earth, in His hand's breath. Again, that's that's not to suggest that He has a hand and He holds a created universe in His hand, no, it is to say that His presence is beyond containment in anything in creation. It's like things that are contained in something else, it's as if those containers contain the whole of that which contains them, that's nonsense, silly. God is a spirit and therefore is present and available in whatever manifested form He would choose. So how do we know who the Father is? We know who He is because of the behavior of the one who contains Him and therefore the one who contains Him has to yield to Him in completeness. Otherwise, what we see at best would be a mixture assuming that He would consent to being presented in a mixed way. No, the one who contains Him is a living sacrifice, whether it was the Lord Jesus Christ when He was on the earth hosting the presence of the Father or us who are now the body of Christ continuing to host the presence of the Father. So on the throne, the Ancient of Days is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who contains the Father and in that sense it's the Father. So to Him, they brought Him near before Him. I was watching in the night visions, verse 13, and behold one like the Son of Man. So we are in likeness like the Son of Man. We are identified with Christ. When Christ who is our lives appear, we will appear with Him in glory. So one who is identified as being like the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven. The ascension of the saints killed in such a fashion or 
the, the reference to the completed work is like Christ being taken into heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and brought him near before him. So this likeness of the Son of Man is brought before the Ancient of Days. And to him, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Dominion, glory, and a kingdom which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. All right, now, quickly come to the last part of this because it nails the fact that the one to whom the kingdom is given is the one who is like the Son of Man. All right? Look at this. Verse 27. 26 says, uh, contextually, let's reset it in verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change the times and the laws, and I'm not even going to comment on his intent to change the times and the laws. Uh, Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. But the court shall be seated and they, the court, shall take away the dominion of this kingdom of seven heads and ten horns to consummate and destroy it forever. So the systemic kingdom comprised of the seven systems is destroyed forever by this judgment. Then, then the kingdom and dominion, which is the right to rule, and the greatness of the kingdoms, plural, under the whole heaven shall be given to whom? It It says earlier, one like the Son of Man. Here it says, shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom, then the one like the Son of Man, is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. So. when the angel sounded the seventh trumpet, there was a loud voice in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ and He shall reign forever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, 
We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations are angry, were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, shall small and great, and shall destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and a great earthquake and great hail. Now, let's put this together. The kingdom of heaven has as its king the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven exists independently of all the kingdoms of the earth. And in the end of the age, it is kingdom against kingdom. Let's be clear. The kingdom of heaven exists now. Its king has been enthroned. This reference is not to the time when Jesus ascended to heaven. That happened in the, at the beginning of this, the last age. And as He ascended to heaven, He was given the glory. This is what is said earlier on when Jesus is viewed as the Lamb who had been slain. He was worthy to receive a kingdom into which all people, nations and languages, or a kingdom that would be drawn from amongst all the people, nations and languages of the earth. That kingdom exists now. That kingdom was released on the earth following the day of Pentecost and has been ongoing steadily since that time. This is the kingdom concerning which there's war. There will be kingdom against kingdom. And that kingdom is called the kingdom of heaven. Its ruler is Christ. This kingdom that is being referred to here is that which results from the dominion or the taking of all of the authorities that oppose the saints in the last days. He gives the right to rule over all the kingdoms of mankind to those who have overcome in the fashion in which He Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, overcame. So in that sense, all the kingdoms of the earth become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that sense, the kingdom of heaven and its king rules over all the kingdoms of the earth, but he does so through the saints. 
the overcoming ones. So they rule and reign with him in the fashion of his rule. They have been given the right to rule the nations because they did not preserve any value, including their lives, in preference to serving Him. That qualifies them to be the rulers of the nations. And in order to rule the nations, you must have a basis of power and rule. In other words, what are you in ruling, what are you intending to bring about? Simple. You intend to bring about among all the kingdoms of the world that have been given to you because in in overcoming the spirit of the age, in overcoming the opposition that arises out of the pit, which is the the reference to, and I'll come back to that, it's a reference to the arriving of the demonic on the earth, the place of their entrapment, the entrapment of the demonic being called Tartarus. The arrival of of the demonic on the earth stirs the passions of mankind to oppose the things of God and the saints overcome the enemy functioning in part through human beings, but in part functioning in the demonic and through the demonic. They overcome Him, the saints overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and that they would not preserve their lives even unto death and this is the picture presented in the two witnesses. That being said, Overcoming means you are the victor and you rule. This is the manner in which the saints acquire the right to rule over the rest of mankind. Just as Jesus overcame and sat down in the rule of his, that is typified by His Father's right hand, He was given the right to be king of the kingdom of heaven because he overcame the evil one. We are given the right to rule the nations of the earth because we overcame all of what the nations represented in their desire to to embrace the cosmos, embrace the cosmocrator, embrace the systems of this world, we by the constancy of an indestructible life refuse to be co-opted, refuse to be ruled over by these kingdoms, instead we submitted to the rule of Christ. That gives us the right. The court of heaven judges in our favor and gives us the right to rule the nations. That is why certain ones will not be given the right to rule but will be ruled over because they did not overcome. Now, our right to rule is only part of what is the picture. We're given the right to rule having overcome. That's what victors are given. When you overcome something, 
you get to rule over it. When you overcome the construct of the world, the cosmos, when you overcome the evil schemes of the enemy that have been drawn up together as a compendium of systems upon which humans depend, when you overcome that, you take captive those who are trapped in that system because you've overcome the system. But it's not enough that we have the right to rule, what is more is to what end do we rule? And the answer is very simple, we're given the right to rule and our rule is consistent with the order of the Kingdom of Heaven. So we get to bring forth in the time when our rule is established, we get to bring forth the order of the Kingdom of Heaven as perfected and demonstrated through its King who is then the King of all kings, for we are kings under Him, we are actually taking our jurisdiction to rule, the right to rule and the sphere of rule are as pendants that hang from the chain of His authority. So it's a pendant jurisdiction and therefore the manner of our rule is to bring forth the kingdom's the kingdom's purposes upon the earth, which is to say to display the glory of the Heavenly Father in the earth, for that is the imperative of the Kingdom of Heaven, to put on display the glory of the divine nature of our Father in Heaven. Jesus was committed to that as the uh, mandate for His rule. In fact, in the second psalm He would say, when handed the right to rule over the nations of the earth where God says, I'll give you uh, the, the, the kingdoms of the earth, I will give you uh, the nations of the earth for your possession, He said His response to God was, I will obey the decrees of the Lord, which is to say, I am the Lord Jesus Christ being spoken of prophetically saying, I am the vassal, I am the emissary of the Father, of the one who has appointed me king. I am his vassal, so in the pendency of my rule, I will put on display the true nature of the one to whom I am subject. So in the Kingdom of Heaven, the purpose of the rule of Christ the King is to put on display the glory of the nature of the one who sent Him. Hence He said, I have come to do the will of God. Or, and that was said in Hebrews, for I come to do your will, O God, and in the words of Jesus Himself, I only do what I see my Father doing, or I have come to show the Father. So this is the accreditation of those who have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony and, in their, and that they would not, as Jesus, preserve their own lives. 
in that sense the nations are made subject to them and their rule then is to pursue and to display the demonstration of the nature of God throughout their domain. So when the millennial age comes, the fashion of the rule of those who have been accredited for their faithfulness in this time will be that they will put on display in the domains assigned to them for rule, they will put on display all of the characteristics and the nature of the Heavenly Father just as Jesus has worked those characteristics and the nature of the Father in us who are His body. You see how perfectly tautological, complete and and summarizing is the prophetic book of the Revelation? That's why it says that the temple or the naos was opened in heaven and the Ark of the Covenant was seen in His temple. All that was symbolized in the Ark of the Covenant has now become descriptive of those who are the naos of God. They have become a people ruled by the Spirit of God who is greater than the law but was typified by the law. There are people who have eaten the food from heaven, they've become strong by eating the food of revelation and their lives are like the rod that buds because it's representative of the life of their spirit, Zoe cut off from anything in creation yet sustained from the person of God Himself. So when the temple is opened, we see what the Ark of the Covenant was meant to typify and we see it not in a box with two angels on the cover containing uh, the book of the law and the Ten Commandments and the pot of manna and uh, Aaron's rod that buds, we see a people we see a people, the naos of God, who have been aligned, measured to see whether or not they meet these pre-existing eternal divine standards and lo and behold, they do, they do. And there is a great display in heaven and on earth that the thing that God established creation to achieve has been fulfilled. And Sam Solon will move into the twelfth chapter the next time and I'll bring back a lot of these images because the twelfth and thirteenth chapters of the book of Revelation are replete with these images, particularly from the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. Until then, may every grace abound to you. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.